1: Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Pelazzolo back here with Sam Monson. Hello to our friends on YouTube. If you guys are watching through that medium, appreciate that. So, Sam, we've got football to discuss.
0: Yeah. Real football. Week one, not in the books because Monday Night Football is still to come. There's two games tonight. But all the Sunday slate is in the books. So, it was fun. There were some good games.
1: Yeah, there was. I Some people complain about the NFL compared to college. I can't disagree more. Mad people. Yeah, I look. I love college football. I love both. Yeah, I don't. But and if we were we were all sitting here in the office yesterday, you were doing your Sky hits. You guys did a great job. You and Neil Hornsby. If you guys are uh, for our UK listeners, if you guys are on the British Isles and you have Sky, is that the right good work geography yeah.
0: there? Oh, you've been you've been studying.
1: Yes, I have been studying the map you gave me. If you're on the British Isles, Sam and uh, Sam and Neil are on Sky, and uh, you guys did a great job. So we were all hanging out here in the office, keeping up with the games, and it's just there's just a lot of exciting action going on. Between 1 and 8 o'clock on an NFL Sunday. That
0: was just a Miami game,
1: 1 and 8 o'clock. I know, right? Yeah. A lot of pitching changes.
0: <laughs> a lot of delay in that Baseball game. Baseball is just such a slow game. Sam. A lot of delay That's in wild. that game.
1: All right, let's get into some of the stuff that happened yesterday. Always a lot to take in, but I want to start NFC East. You want to start NFC East? Okay. It, feels, it just feels like a storyline. This was supposed to be this really strong division. Of course, the Eagles played on Thursday night. And, you know, they, they played really well defensively. Matt Ryan wasn't good. They played really well defensively. Then you have a team like the Redskins. They come out yesterday. We were talking about them as a team to kind of watch, see how they shape up early in the season. All of a sudden, they're on the radar. Dominant performance against the Arizona Cardinals. Dallas Cowboys looking completely inept on offense. And then you have the New York Giants, who I think looked about what we expected them to look like as far as struggling a little bit on, on offense. But I, I don't want to look too much into the Giants matchup yet just because they played a Jaguars team where I think it was just weakness against weakness so much on that on, the, on that side of the ball like I don't think the Giants defense is that good yet and I know that the offense is going to struggle but they went up against the Jags defense yeah. what do you make of the NFC East I feel like this is supposed to be the strong division and maybe there's some flipping of where teams should be ranked here
0: yeah I think that game should have been comfortably in the Jaguars hands but Blake Bortles is their quarterback. We've discussed that fairly extensively,
1: right? So I, you can't really give do, do you give a ton of credit to the Giants' defense yet? I, I still have major question marks there.
0: No, not yet. I, I think, like we say, that that's a large part of that is by it's they got you know Bortles, and that's going to happen. So you're never going to run away with a game that you should have had comfortably in control because that's your quarterback, right? The other teams in that division, though, I think are kind of fascinating. Dallas, in particular. So much of today's NFL comes down to your quarterback, and if you don't have a great quarterback, you're you're in trouble. Like it's, it almost doesn't matter what the rest of your team looks like. It needs to be we said before everything needs to be going well if your quarterback isn't at his best. Um, and the Cowboys certainly thought they had a you know legitimate quarterback going forward in Dak Prescott enough that Tony Romo didn't get his job back when he got back injured, um, and he was really good for that first year. But the longer this goes, the more question marks I think you have to have on exactly what Dak Prescott is. Like, now we're reaching the point where I know his supporting cast isn't the best we've seen, right? The receiving core. That's
1: where I was going to go with this. The
0: receiving core is a question mark. The offensive line is less strong than it's been in the past, particularly now with Travis Frederick's uh, status up in the air. The The tight end's not there. You know, he doesn't have that six-yard out safety blanket to – Uh, jason witt in every single play Ah, jason but how good is dak prescott is it possible that dak prescott is in fact a fourth round quarterback that isn't really that good
1: that was really more of a one-year wonder
0: he had like the best season of his career right out of the gate and after that we're actually going to see the guy we saw in college
1: remember the tone of his rookie year too because he was a fourth round pick and he wasn't that accurate in college he was he was hit or miss accurate in college. If you gave him an open receiver, he, he could hit dudes. He could put it on their frame. But he also missed a higher like, high percentage of throws, uncatchable style. And, he ha- and he, his whole first year was like people were uh, kind of reiterating, oh, yeah, maybe Dak's good. Maybe Dak's good. It was like every week he just continued to impress, impress, impress. And then there was other people that said, okay, wait. He does have this great offensive line. He's got some of the cleanest pockets in the NFL that you'll see. He's got this little bit of run threat that kept him clean at times, too. And he had Zeke Elliott. And at the time, he had a better Dez than he had last year. He mm-hmm. had a better Dez. He had a really good Cole Beasley that year. So he had guys open. He had, he, he had Jason Witten, who you said, even though they weren't always on the same page. So when you look at quarterbacks, you want everybody wants the <laughs> transcendent guy like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees, that ecosystem doesn't matter. right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to elevate everyone else. So are we ready to just throw Dak in the middle tier that everybody's in? Uh, there's 15 quarterbacks in this middle tier. Where they're completely dependent on their O line and their playmakers, I think we might be reaching that point.
0: Well, I think, I think he's probably in that group. Regardless, I don't think Dak Prescott's uh, ceiling really ever looked like he was going to be the guy that could raise everything else around him, and he would be the next, uh, even the next Tony Romo, to be honest, the next Aaron Rodgers. Romo was
1: very underrated. Yeah,
0: but. I know, I'm starting to wonder if he's even in that middle group where he's dependent entirely on the supporting cast around him. And I'm starting to question if he's worse than that. So rookie season grade Dak Prescott, 83.7 dark green grades, extremely good, right? That rookie season was fantastic. I don't want to take that away from him at all. Since that point, his grade, his passing grade has been 66.8, which is 26th in the NFL.
1: That's not, that's not great.
0: No, 26 out of 32 and teams. He,
1: uh, so that's, and, th- and this is what I'm saying. So to land at 26. That's,
0: by the way, that's behind Blake Bortles, who we've been writing off for the yeah. past two
1: weeks. So imagine if his career was flipped and he was doing this. Right. If I If mean, this was would, the beginning of his career and if, then he improved to the 83, it'd be like, all right, some natural progression.
0: Well, not just that, but if it had been flipped, he wouldn't have the job, right? If, he'd, yeah. if he started off his NFL career the way he's been for the last year and one game, Tony Romo would have got the job back when he came back healthy, right? Yeah. He he probably wouldn't have even started the season because they had to – he basically had to prove that he was that good during preseason for them to go, you know what, we probably don't need to go find a veteran quarterback to steady the ship until Tony Romo's back. This Dak Prescott kid looks pretty good. And then over the course of those first few starts, it was, you know what, he's probably going to keep the job. If he'd been playing like this for that stretch – They would have gone out and signed a Matt Castle or somebody from the street during preseason. Well, Romo would still be playing. Well, that would have been when Romo was down, hurt, right? Romo gets hurt against the Seahawks. They're in preseason. They need a quarterback. Do you roll with the two young guys on the roster or do you go find a veteran who you know sucks for the six games you're going to need to cover until Romo's back? You hate Matt
1: Castle. Whatever.
0: They would have gone out and they would have found a pointless veteran to play those games. Dak Prescott may not have had a career if he'd been playing... The way he's
1: playing right now. Yeah, it, look, it, I don't want to write him off. It's in, because we've seen not writing him off. I'm simply raising the play. question. We're just raising the question. Does Let us Dak, know. Let does, us know what you think.
0: Does Dak Prescott, in fact, suck? No. Well, suck
1: is strong.
0: I'm just. Ra- I'm raising the question, Steve. I'm not presenting. Without, Let our YouTube commenters uh, answer. There you go.
1: See, I'm just raising the 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 questions. I'm not i don't have a horse in the race so we've got some questions about dak yes let's go to the redskins now because they were a team that we said might be strong in some pretty important places when it comes to pass rush that showed up yesterday when it sh- when it comes to alex smith the same way dak is kind of like this test case for how much you're going to rely on your supporting cast I have, i've always thought of alex smith is this test case for a guy that's never going to turn the ball o- rarely going to turn the ball over <laughs> keep you in games He always shows up well statistically, even though it's a dink and dunk game. And then last year he had the breakout season throwing the ball down the field. Week one, it was old Alex Smith. 3.8 average depth of target, short passing game, some option runs from Washington. Just, you know, dinking and dunking down the field, being efficient. Stats look great. And then the defense does a really nice job. I mean, the Redskins, you know, I think that that combination could be pretty dangerous, even though later on we're going to talk about how bad i think the cardinals might actually be so maybe we don't overreact but the redskins really nice week one
0: yeah and alex smith is i think the fan he's the test case for what you can achieve with a game manager quarterback people use that as a derogatory term to throw it guys you know he's he's just a game manager but it's i mean it's just, it's a descriptive term as much as anything else there is something too guys that are just that are game managing quarterbacks and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, it's just a stylistic thing. Our, our Alex Smith, I think at his best, can be a fantastic game-managing quarterback, but the problem with those guys is that does mean, by definition, you're going to need stuff around them for, for you to still win, right? If, you, if, if all the quarterback is doing is managing the game, other things within that team and within the roster need to be doing well. Otherwise, he's not managing anything other than a dumpster fire.
1: Yeah, and just looking at the... The quick numbers real, uh, on, on Alex Smith, no big-time throws, no turnover-worthy throws. This, was, this yeah. is old Alex Smith, the guy that wasn't... The, it's we, peak game manager. We did is, a video on the importance of big-time throws. Your team, when you make a big-time throw, that's PFF's highest-graded throws, my hashtag, hashtag big-time throws, your team scores, I think it's 55-60% of the time on that drive. Obviously, you have a throw like Aaron Rodgers last night, that's a big-time throw into the end zone, that's going to be a score. So that just last year, Alex Smith added all those big time throws to the mix, but he still kept the turnover worthy plays down. At some point, he's going to have to make some special throws again for the Redskins to really, you know, be that team. But right now, we've seen through one week, old Alex Smith keep the game close, and now the Redskins pass rush with your boy Matt Ioannidis. Yeah, they're a thing. Amongst are others. they a thing, or are they just going up against the Arizona Cardinals?
0: Well, that'll help. Um, but I think they are a thing. I mean, we said heading into this season. I just kicked my phone over there, Steve. It's okay. It's all right. That's embarrassing on video. Well, it wouldn't have been embarrassing if you hadn't drawn attention to it. I was going to skate right Sorry, by. Sorry, I'm not it. Not, no not professional here. No. Not professional. Anyway, uh, Matt Ioannidis had a good game, but so did Jonathan Allen. So did Deron Payne. So did Ryan Kerrigan, obviously, always. Uh, Zach Brown had a good game. They've got players on this defense, uh, particularly up front. Even Pernell McPhee chipped in with some, uh, some pressure of his own. How about like, it? That defensive front could be really good they 've got a bunch of young players there that are all kind of coming together at once, and that 's giving a guy like Duron Payne the chance to you know grow over the season and get even better like that I think that defensive front could be a really good unit um, The questions would be on that defense can, will the secondary hold up over a season yeah they had you know they had their work. Their work yesterday was easy because the Cardinals' offense was such a mess, and the, the defensive front, to an extent, really made it easy. But when they go up against a better offense and a better offensive line where the defensive front is kept a bit more quiet, can the back end hold up in coverage?
1: Yeah, like in looking at the grading, the guys they beat up on, DJ Humphreys at left tackle, Mike Upati, who's not great. As, he's a great run blocker, not great in pass protection. Justin Pugh, I thought he'd be a little bit better. I've been talking up Justin Pugh this entire Uh, preseason uh, not he was an okay okay first game for him so yeah that that's the whole thing with week one overreaction so much of the result is based off of the matchup home away quality of teams all these different things so how much do we really want to overreact to the Redskins not too much but a lot of our preseason analysis kind of shown through I think the the places where we said that they were strong so that's where they are so do we flip them and the Cowboys in the east looking forward do we have the Redskins above the Cowboys yeah Do we still have the Giants last? Yes. Yeah. How about Saquon Barkley essentially being Saquon Barkley? Yeah. Two yards here, negative four there, four yards there, and then boom, sixty-eight yard touchdown, and all of a sudden the averages look great.
0: He's a fun player to watch. Like regardless of what you think about them taking him number two and how valuable a running back is and all the stuff that surrounds him, he's just he's entertaining. Yeah. Like you are going to see a bunch of plays, even his like crazy dance behind the line of scrimmage and lose four they're fun right it's not not necessarily desirable but it's entertaining to watch so yeah he's you know you saw that um next gen stats run chart of Saquon Barkley's runs it's just this big mess of chaos in the middle of the field and every now and again there's like a run one big run coming off here one big run coming off here right it's it's just he's extremely unpredictable
1: and that's that's an entertaining thing to watch in a running back. And if he I'm not saying you, you take away the run, but there are going to be some weeks where he really does carry the ball 14 times for 29 yards. And then if there'll be some weeks where he doesn't have just the 168-yard run, he has two of them, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden he's going to go, you know, 20 carries for 212, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a roller coaster carry for carry and game to game I, mean, I think what? with, he with had Saquon. Yeah.
0: 107 yards rushing, 68 of which came on that one run on 19 carries. So it goes back to what? 40 yards. Yeah,
1: 40 yards on 18 attempts. And the thing about that, it's kind of like the big time throw thing. If you do one of them, right? If you have one of those big runs, you're you're going to put put yourself in a scoring range or score the touchdown, but you're so inefficient on the other carries, it's it's really detrimental to your offense being in third and long over and over and over again with Eli, who played pretty well, you know, given the circumstances going against the Jags, played pretty well. It's just a tough, tough thing to sustain.
0: The other point there is we said that when they drafted him, this offensive line is not fantastic, and Saquon may be extremely reliant on an offensive line for sustained production outside of the 168-yard run that he can break every now and again, and those stats certainly show through. You know, Jonathan Stewart had two carries. They went for eight yards. Um... Uh, Wayne Gallman had one carry, lost yardage. So, you know the, the offensive line did not grade well in this game. Saquon Barkley, outside of one spectacular run, didn't really get anywhere. Right. So, you know that that's probably
1: a thing for the Giants. Just wanted to touch on the Eagles real quick because that Week One, that Thursday night game, Matt Ryan was one. It was one of the worst games he's played. Yeah, And awful. that includes an interception where we were like, it oh, looks so bad on TV, but a lot of it's probably on Julio with the route. It could have been even worse as far as the grading goes, but it was still a lo- it was f- 48 or something like that in our system. But the Eagles' defensive line also lived up to the hype. Fletcher Cox had eight pressures. We also have this number called uh, BDs, where you, you beat your – what is it? beat Block defeated. Block defeated. I, I, I get the, uh, the uh, label wrong mm. sometimes. But he had six of those, which is insane. That's essentially you beat the block so quickly, it just, but, but it wasn't a pressure because the quarterback just got rid of the ball, whatever, you was saved the quarterback. The, the, the offensive line was essentially saved yeah. by the speed the, of the, the
0: throw. The ones to think about on those are you know, the backside of a play. If the quarterback is thrown to his right side, quick hitch, drops back three steps, gets it out, but the left tackle behind him, gets absolutely whooped to the snap, is lying face first in the turf, and there's a defender steaming towards the quarterback. The ball can be out. The quarterback never has any idea that's coming. But if he held onto it for a second later, he's dead. Right. So those are ones where we want to credit the defensive lineman. We want to credit the pass – uh, uh, what's the opposite of credit, Steve? Discredit. Discredit? The offensive lineman. Discredit the left tackle. Oh, I to Yeah, okay. There you go. We want to punish – the offensive lineman for lying face first in the floor, but we don't want to call it a pressure because the quarterback never has any idea that it's happening. Right. Um, So, yeah, those are really, they're another kind of layer to the PFF grading that sometimes it's usually a pretty good correlation because there's a, there's more of these, but sometimes the pressure numbers doesn't quite relate to the PFF grading. Right. And BDs are a big part of that because you can have a guy who is killing his, his blocker every time, but, the scheme they're getting rid of it before it ever becomes a problem so you can kind of almost take away the impact that a pass rusher has but he should still be credited for kicking the ass of the guy he's trying to block him
1: yeah it's actually it doesn't impact the game those win; those don't those wins don't impact the game but they impact looking forward because the pff grade is so predictive so essentially fletcher Cox had eight pressures six bds that's 14 wins on 48 snaps the other night. Just clean, straight-up wins. That takes out all unblocked pressures, which he didn't have any anyway. A win percentage of 29.2%, which is insane. Um, So he had eight pressures. Chris Long had seven pressures. Brandon Graham had seven pressures. Michael Bennett had four. So again, one of the stories of the offseason, Philadelphia's defensive line. And then on the back end, you have guys like Ronald Darby just playing outstanding. How many great breaks on the ball did he make? Playing off coverage. Roddy McLeod, really nice break on the ball. Playing, I think, a quarter scheme. Breaking up a pass over the middle. So, uh, Rasul Douglas had that pick on the miscommunication. Sidney Jones graded well. So, I've been using this phrase all offseason being strong in the right places. The Eagles are strong in the right places defensively pass rush and coverage.
0: No, they are. And that Eagles team looked good. Like, outside of the fact that Nick Foles had a terrible game, he looked like, you know, bad Nick Foles. And bearing in mind with Nick Foles, you only get two things. You get bad Nick Foles or you get Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. You right. don't get anything in the middle. Nothing in the middle. Um, so he played that badly and they still ended up winning the game. Like, that's huge. If you have a quarterback who's playing terribly and the rest of your team is good enough to drag you to a win against a good NFC opponent, that's that's huge for them. Like I say, they're they're basically playing with house money. If if Nick Foles is taking along and they're winning games. the The Falcons thing was weird because, I mean, I get quarterbacks are capable of having bad games, making poor decisions, doing you know putting the ball places they shouldn't. Matt Ryan's arm looked terrible, really bad. Like I texted yeah. Zach Robinson during that game and was like, "Where did Matt Ryan steal my arm from?" Like fluttering, hopeless, lame duck passes, rainbows that took an age to come down. He didn't. I mean, that looked like a very weak arm for a guy who I haven't been concerned about his arm strength in the past.
1: So it was weird because it really did look like 2015 Peyton. That's Peyton's yeah. last year where he was floating against the Falcons. Year. Well, that, that was 2012 when he first. But that was the, the
0: that was the game that it reminded me of. The, yeah, yeah. The first game he came back and realized, oh crap, yeah. my arm is gone. I can't
1: actually throw these deep seam routes anymore. So we did have three big time throws from Matt Ryan. Deep crosser, he hit through pretty well. The the deep ball to Julio. Julio could have veered out a little bit. Should have caught Did it. Catch, but should've one of the cleanly. one of the big time throws we gave him was a dig route, so deep, twenty yard in to Julio, where he put it perfectly on his numbers. Mm-hmm. But that was that looked like the Peyton throw because he fluttered it. It looked so ugly on the way there, but it got there. Yeah, and then so that was one of those where like the arm strength didn't matter. It just it got there. It was a great throw. So many of the other throws, it was like, why are you under-throwing that deep ball by 10? It looked like 10 yards on the deep post I mean, one time. and It was
0: so it was weird, off to the point where you're wondering, is he hurt? Is he carrying an injury that hasn't been reported?
1: Because, I mean, he's well, not it's a, old. It's a dull quarterback old. playing outside. Sometimes they throw.
0: Sometimes it just turns okay. out they've had a noodle for an arm and yeah. nobody noticed because it was inside. Yep. I think that might be it. I, no. It feels like we would have seen that somewhere before. True.
1: Well, look. The Falcons – I did want to transition to the NFC South anyway because the Falcons um, credit their defense. I mean, their defense played well too, again, despite false, The quarterbacking was terrible in that game, but their defense was flying around, only missed five tackles. Your boy Deion Jones was making plays all over the place. He had six stops, great coverage, great – the whole thing. Falcons look like they have a championship-level defense. The offense was just so bad. But then you've got the Saints – who look like they were just rolling out their Week 1 and Week 2 defense over the last few years, which was horrendous. So they lose to the Bucks. So all of a sudden you have the two teams that we said were definitely going to be atop the NFC South, the Falcons and the Saints, are sitting there at 0-1, and the two teams we thought weren't going to be that great, the Bucs and the Panthers, are
0: 1-0. Yeah, the Saints defense ends up making Ryan Fitzpatrick look like a superhuman he- quarterback. So uh, let me disagree with that assessment.
1: Ryan Fitzpatrick earned every last bit of that.
0: Yeah, but
1: every the Saints defense
0: couldn't cover anybody. Marshawn Lattimore looked terrible. Ken Crawford, like this defense
1: was abysmal. We're still talking about there were so many passes where there was just a step of separation, and Fitzpatrick's deep ball was incredible. When he when we knew that he was taken over for three games, our instant analysis is, well, it depends on which Ryan Fitzpatrick you're getting. Because high-end Fitzpatrick has done that. This. this isn't a rare—like, it's rare, but he's done this before. He's had ridiculous games like this before, but he also has some of the worst games you'll ever see. Yeah. So they got ridiculous Ryan Fitzpatrick in a dome, of course.
0: Yeah. Marshall Lattimore got abused by Mike Evans. Yeah, I get
1: it. But Fitz was accurate, man. He was on point.
0: This feels like a classic over— reaction game though where everyone's going to go yeah okay the saints suck their defense is bad again and it's going to be one aberration game
1: um i don't want to steal that i don't have the numbers handy but um chase on uh on twitter Mm -hmm. does all the football reference stuff and he posted the last like eight years of first first week saints defense this was before they gave up like three more touchdowns (laughs) it was something like 40 touchdowns to two interceptions I mean, it was insane.
0: Which is weird since they appear to be one of the teams that have a more physical training camp than others. You know, like, so the Steelers are the poster boys for, they go, they hit in training camp, live hitting, they tackle, do stuff that other teams don't do anymore in this environment of the new collective bargaining agreement, Right, And it usually translates to the Steelers' defense at least playing aggressively early on in the season and maybe overachieving given their talent level the saints had maybe the next most physical uh training camps and their week one defense doesn't show up
1: yeah i I don't understand i mean so again last year at this time we were there through two weeks they had played sam bradford and the vikings tom brady and the patriots they were giving up a perfect passer rating when pressuring the opposing quarterback which is insane Marshawn Lattimore had only played one of those two games and they looked like they were the same old bad Saints defense. They were also both at home in the Dome where, again, they, they gave up a lot, but they, they settled it. They settled in yeah. and became one of the better defenses. I'm definitely not ready to write them off, but the same, the same thing we were talking about being uh, last week on the NFC preview, Lattimore is generally awesome. I expect him to bounce back fine. I still have questions about Ken Crawley on the other side. I still have okay. questions about their linebacker level. and But all Marcus that stuff.
0: Williams was also bad. He was good all last season. Like unless you are saying that the uh, Minneapolis Miracle has just ruined him indelibly. That happens with like pitchers.
1: Give up it this does, terrible walk off homer, and then they just you know. I don't think it's going to happen with
0: him. So that would be the only explanation for that. Too many good players played badly. Is what I am saying. I gotcha. don't
1: anticipate that being a long term problem. So they gave up a ton. Um, so I also think about the, the funny way that sometimes a game that's 48 to 40 and you have to give the Bucks a ton of credit. Look how explosive their offense is. You got Mike Evans, you've got Deshaun Jackson. I mean, this is they're looking great. But they also gave up 40 points. And Breeze looked spectacular. Alvin Kamara playmaker, Michael Thomas had 16 catches. So I'm not ready to throw the Bucks in the playoff conversation with this defense, right? But it is funny how all of a sudden like a 48 to 40 victory all of a sudden looks more oppressive than say the Panthers 16 to 8 victory. You yeah, know what I mean.
0: There's also something about once you, once you get Drew Brees in a chasing the game kind of rhythm, he's just, he's just gonna rack up a huge amount of points.
1: He does. I'm not saying he pads his stats, but he's had a lot of situations where he's had to play catch up, and he chucks the ball all over the place, and like yeah. he
0: may not get all the way back. But if you had to bank on one quarterback maximizing the sheer number of yards and points you could put up in the oh, last yeah. in the last 20 minutes of a game where they're in the hole, Brees will do it. Brees would be the guy. Yeah.
1: Well, what do we make of the Bucks then?
0: Uh, I mean, Gerald McCoy was good, again. Um, the rest of that defensive front, we were expecting those guys to be much more formidable. They weren't, really. Vinnie Curry had a few pressures. Jason Pierre-Paul got almost nothing. Um, you know, Bo Allen is the nose tackle, so you're not really expecting a huge amount from him, but he didn't add much. It really still was basically Gerald McCoy and bodies, albeit bodies that should be better. So that's a little bit concerning. Granted, they're going up against the New Orleans Saints offensive line, which is, you know, one of the top three units in the league. So it's as stern a test as they're going to get. But that's kind of what you're paying these guys for. You need them to be able to handle themselves against good offensive linemen. And they didn't this time. So the additions they've made to that Gerald McCoy one-man band up front so far at least failed the first test. Yeah, uh, That's disappointing from their point of view. Uh, the offense, though, it's, it's had that potential, right, for a yes. while now. When, yeah. we, when they had Mike Evans and uh, Deshaun Jackson, we were like, that has spectacular potential from a receiving point of view. And this was really the first week where they put it together. Those two both combined for a perfect passer rating. Um, like 300 yards, three touchdowns between the two of Can them. Can I
1: read the numbers to you right now? Do I don't it. have it, yeah. Go for it. 14 for 14. Well,
0: when that's targeting good. them. Yeah.
1: Deshaun Jackson only ran 14 routes. He was on the field for 20 snaps. Mm-hmm. Caught five passes for 146.
0: His uh, yards per route run figure was over 11. Yeah. Insane. A league leading figure is three.
1: Yeah. That was pretty productive. So between them, 14 for 14 for 293 yards. Between yeah. the two of them, three touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about Jameis Winston having these weapons. Evans, Jackson, you throw in Chris Godwin, who's a nice big target. Adam Humphreys, you know, a nice little number four slot receiver. And then the two tight ends with Cameron Brayton and then O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard had two catches for 54. It is a crazy explosive offense. Are they yeah. like the Chiefs?
0: No, the, uh, the talent is definitely there and has been for a while. It's just it was weird to see. The quarterback that brings it all out being Ryan Fitzpatrick having the game of his life. I'm
1: not surprised. I'm really not. Even in... Are you shocked by this? Two Two yeah. years ago.
0: Why? Because even... So we've said Nick Foles has the highest spectrum in terms of what you can possibly get out of him on a given day. It might be Fitz. Disastrous Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles. Ryan Fitzpatrick would be on that end in terms of he'd be in the top five, right? Of guys who could do anything on a given Sunday. Yeah. Could be awful. Could be fantastic even using ryan fitzpatrick spectrum this was like an outlier over here
1: no I, i'm not that surprised i mean a couple of years ago thursday night football one of the best games of the entire season where i mean look at this i'm showing you in the old deal there was that uh uh-huh. and then there was that yeah
0: wow but even i mean this is another level i don't remember that, even that
1: being that low um his game – so it was against Buffalo week two on Thursday Night Football. He like didn't even miss a throw. He's just, boom, downfield throw, downfield, downfield, unbelievable throws. And then the next week against the Chiefs had one of the worst games we've ever graded. Yeah. So let well, that be a warning, Bucks fans. I have
0: no doubt that the depths which Ryan Fitzpatrick can plumb are you know staggering. Like I would have no, no, no trouble whatsoever believing that he had the worst game you've ever seen in your life. But to have one this good – is remarkable even though I know he's capable of pretty spectacular things.
1: Let me give you the stat breakdown real quick. On the Thursday night game a couple years ago, 24 for 34 for 374 plus 3 drop passes, so a couple throwaways and everything. One of the most accurate games of his career. Comes back the next week, goes 20 for 44 with six picks. <laughs> okay. Five five passes dropped. So, PFF I'm only using the stats because the PFF grades back it up. He's a roller coaster. So I'm not surprised that Every now and again, you get the top of the I'm roller coaster. just saying,
0: even at, this is an extra peak. This is an extra high peak at the top of the roller coaster. It
1: was pretty special. Um, Panthers, are they legit? Trust their defense? Is it because they're going up against Dallas's offense? They still only scored 16 points.
0: They did. Um, I think a big part of that was Dallas' offense. They, they at least looked exciting. Um, This combination of Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey still has incredible potential. Those two guys are both matchup nightmares. They use Cam Newton a lot as part of the designed running game, which is important, I think, to maximize his usage. You need to be able to terrify teams in terms of what you can get uh, with his rushing threat. Every time you watch Cam Newton, you just come away staggered at the sheer physical dimensions of the man. Like he's, Pretty incredible he was tackled at one point by dallas 's uh, Tyrone Crawford on the defensive line. Now Crawford is basically defensive tackle, right yeah, and they 're the same size like Crawford is six four two ninety, and they basically look like the same size person, and the difference is Cam Newton can still run like a running back or a wide receiver, like he 's the same size at defensive end slash defensive tackle. And he can run like a wide receiver and a running back. So you have to use him as part of your running game because nobody else has an athlete like that anywhere. They're all in on doing it.
1: I mean, they're so they're that's gonna good. Give him the ball.
0: McCaffrey was still a major matchup problem for the Dallas defense. Bear in mind, this is a Dallas defense that has guys like Sean Lee. So if you're, if you're looking at any defense and saying, well, they've got somebody that can combat a matchup problem on offense, you'd say Dallas is in pretty good shape. Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, they've got athletes back there. As good as Sean Lee is, he can't live with Christian McCaffrey in space. Like, yeah, he, nobody can. So, yeah, yeah,
1: he lost him. I mean, we saw McCaffrey whoop uh, Keekley at practice a few times.
0: Yeah, so those two guys are a spectacular matchup issue for defenses to contend with. Now, whether they're consistent and good enough yet at harnessing them is another matter, but that's encouraging, I think, to still have that combination there. And, you know, McCaffrey had a huge amount of playing time, 57 snaps in this game, so that looks like the duo they're going to roll with. Um, the offensive line for Carolina is a little bit of a concern. Even without Darrell Williams going down again, it was uh, it was a bit of an issue in this game. That, I think, could there, could be their Achilles heel over the course of the season is the offensive line just not being good enough to, to, to really let them uh, play from a, a good
1: platform. What if I told you that in uh, Cam's first game with Norv Turner uh-huh. as offensive coordinator that he is ranked 7th? with seventh lowest average depth of target at 6.7.
0: Yeah, we were talking before the game about how, you know, this plan we have in order to get the most out of Cam Newton, let him let him attack deep down the field and North Turner with his seven step drops and two receivers and patterns. That's what we're going to see. And then they open the game with like three straight short screens and stuff. You're like,
1: "Well, what the hell is going on here? Maybe Norv's changing." Maybe. Maybe it's all changing, but Cam being listed next to guys like Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, Sam Bradford, Andy Dalton, Andrew Luck, who had the second, who had the second lowest average depth of target. It's just a way to gauge style, and it's just a, it's an interesting note as far as Carolina's style goes this week. All right, guys, you know, ever since we started the podcast, people are always asking for advice, Sam, on picks. Luckily, we have PFF Green Line now. Which helps you with your picks. That's what I used this weekend over at mybookie.ag. I won a couple games. Sam, you're up. You're not supposed to talk about your wins, right? Because people, when you gamble, you always talk about your wins. Everybody talks about their wins. But I had a good, good week in my, my little small wagers. Mybookie.ag college game and NFL game. I get all of my advice hanging out with Eric Eager and George Shahuri over at the PFF forecast, but. Don't forget, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell my people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They've got great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I can attest to that. It is very simple, right? Yeah. Isn't it dangerous how quickly you can maybe throw some money <laughs> get, on you? Get a gambling addiction. No, no. but it's, it's kind of fun to play around because they've got the in-game bets as well. So you get the big you get the in-game stuff, you get the prop bets, it's all there. I'm only recommending it because they've been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win and they pay. They also have uh, some fantasy over/unders. You could bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. And if you join now MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use the promo code PFF to activate it. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code PFF when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, and you get paid. Nice. Just so like
0: we're, I did. Are we both up from week one?
1: I think so. Did you do?
0: I ended up, well, one? I said I wasn't going to bet on week one at all. And then week one rolled around. And I was like, how are the Texans still within six points on the line? I have to take that.
1: Yeah, you know what it's happened? It got close by the end, but I still, it still won. I made a last-second push at 424. I clicked on the Redskins game. Mm -hmm. which was starting at 425, and I was about to take the Redskins, and as I clicked on it, it said, boom, game's off. Can't do it. You missed by a minute. Yeah, I was really feeling good about the Redskins because segue into our next segment. We're going to overreact to week one, and we're going to tell you which teams are going to the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and who's going to have the number one overall pick. And I want to start with the team that I think my week one overreaction for who's going to have the number one pick. I know that the Buffalo Bills feel like this easy team – to trash right now but i'm going to take the cardinals i don't like where the cardinals stand right now i don't like that roster i didn't like the roster coming into the year and our analysis on the nfc preview was that they're always a little bit better when you piece it all together and they'll coach it up and this and that but i just don't yeah, like they that really roster weren't. they were not good at all they kind of stank cardinals number everywhere. one overall pick based off one week okay i like it who we, uh who's winning the super bowl Oh, the Packers. The Packers? Yeah, still the Packers. They almost lost last night. So at halftime, but at halftime... No, no. No, they didn't. They did. At halftime, the Packers were in competition for the number one overall pick. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Uh It's going to be a disaster. They, They gave up 20 points to the Bears, including a strip sack. And then Aaron Rodgers, heroically, comes out on the cart, can barely even walk, can barely even throw, makes one of the best throws of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the stuff was actually a lot of, you know, just short passes, letting his guys do work after the catch. And, um, yeah, so he'll get healthy. He'll become real Aaron Rodgers. He wasn't real Aaron Rodgers the other night. He was he was stuck in the pocket Aaron Rodgers, which oh. was great. He actually had to make some quick decisions, get the ball out of his hands. How far were they down in that game? 20 to nothing. Yeah. It was 20. Yeah. Yeah, with a Deshaun Kaiser. Drifting into Khalil Mack and handing him the football, like and then throwing a pick six on a screen. It's Guess not. what? If Aaron Rodgers is playing football, Deshaun Kaiser doesn't have to take any snaps. Aaron Rodgers was also getting his ass
0: kicked before he went down. He had like fifteen dropbacks or ten dropbacks before that. And how? What well, was the score at the time? Ten nothing. Right. So what? So half of the damage was
1: done by Aaron Rodgers before Kaiser got anywhere near the field. Yeah, so what? That was going to revert back anyway. So the Packers, my overreaction is That's the Packers because their defense looked good. The young corners looked good. That was the big question mark. If the young corners emerge and they can cover better in the secondary and they have that passing attack led by Aaron Rodgers, they're right back up in, their, in that Super Bowl conversation. That is a
0: terrible team to take as the Super Bowl pick coming out of week one. For your overreaction,
1: it's an awful, awful. Everybody's day. overreacting to Aaron Rodgers. That's terrible. Aaron thing. Rodgers can't do anything wrong because I saw it on Sunday Night Football and everybody watched. it. No, that's awful.
0: Did you see that they when they announced, you know, that you know, you announced the starters at the start of Sunday Night Football slash Monday Night Football? They announced their starters in dime personnel package. Yeah, it's great. They announced four cornerbacks as starting. I just wow. thought that was kind of funny. New uh, NFL. All right, my overreaction. The team going to the Super Bowl: the Washington Redskins because they're good everywhere. That's your team. They're right? good on offense. They're good on defense. Alex Smith will game manage the hell out of that game for you, and they're going to win the Super Bowl because that, of it. That's what happens when you play my number one overall pick
1: team, <laughs> the Cardinals. That is That'll help.
0: That'll help. But Which I'm going to say it's because the Redskins are actually really good, not because the Cardinals just abjectly suck. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, it's the easy answer because it's the right answer. The Bills are getting the number one overall pick because they are awful. Yeah, they were, they were bad. Wretched like the ravens people are talking about it being really good two players on the ravens offense actually graded positively and they put up
1: what 40 something points yeah like they, the bills were so bad the baltimore offense was or the buffalo offense was very inept with nathan peterman at the helm
0: yeah who it turns out might actually suck as much as you claimed he didn't
1: i was trying to give a little bit of hope that peterman like how isn't this bad? He can't, can't be he that looks. bad. You can't be five interception bad, but he kind of was, again, mm-hmm. in another start. So we've got two starts of evidence now.
0: Yeah. His, Give him uh, one more. Give him one more his shot. His career, PFF grade, I believe is in the 20s now. And yeah. for you know reference, this is a 0 to 100 scale. So
1: 20s is bad. Do we have, I think our numbers have every one of his yards coming after the catch as well. That's all kind of All 24 passing yards all, or whatever. All 24 and, passing yards. And Josh guys. Allen on the other end of the spectrum was great. Uh, 89% of his yards were air yards. Yeah. So well, he got 11% of his yards after the catch, whereas Peterman got 100% of his yards after the look, catch.
0: If Josh Allen's going down, he's going down swinging. I think we know. Oh, that. he'll be the air yard leader. <laughs> I think we year know that and year about out.
1: It. 89% through the air for Josh Allen who was actually the highest-graded Buffalo Bill. Right?
0: That's kind of amazing. So when we came out of last – or heading into week one, we are like, you know what? I don't hate the idea of sitting Josh Allen because the slate of defenses they're going up against, the offensive line they have, I wouldn't throw him out in front of that either. One, Peterman was so bad, you kind of have to pull him off the field just because – I mean, what good is it doing anybody? Two – I mean, he functioned behind that, right? Josh Allen, when he came in. Granted, some of that is, you know, the Ravens started to mail it in after they began threatening 100 points at some point during the game. So they weren't exactly going all out against him for for some of the time. But, I mean, maybe that is their best option. Throw out the rookie. Yeah, he's going to take an ass-beating in the first, you know, half of the season, at least. But it kind of looks like he can function through that. anyway. he did
1: all right. Again, our guy, Zach Robinson, he was... He checks every quarterback throw, and he was sending me a message saying, eh, it didn't look like he was seeing things the way he needed to, even though it was garbage time and even though it was not the best um, situation on the field. Rainy. It's a little tough to throw the ball in that situation. But you're going to take the Bills to be the number one, have the number one overall pick. Huh? Nathan
0: Peterman's overall grade uh, for his career is 28.2. I see a lot of red. Yeah, that's yeah. the lowest amongst anybody that's played, you know, more than like 50 snaps. Who's
1: second worst, can I say?
0: Uh, of that kind of... Matt Castle. Oh, this isn't career. This is just the last two years. Passing stats? Just uh, passing? Overall summary. His oh. passing is as bad. It's right there with Scott Tolzien for ineptitude at the quarterback position. Beautiful. But Tolzien has played like a third of the amount of snaps yeah. that Biederman yeah. has. Peterman has sucked for longer. And if you just isolated that to his starts, kind of rough. I mean, it's, it's terrible, terrible. That's like 10 points... More. That's 15 grading points worse than Paxton Lynch, who is horrendous.
1: Yeah, he's had a rough time. Alright, let's go to our PFF standouts, because it's what we do here. Player evaluation. Which players stood out in week one from a PFF grading standpoint? Of course, the PFF Elite grades are finalizing. By the time you listen to this, they should be finalized. They're over on premiums. They're, they're over a part of the PFF Elite package. Premium stats version 2.0. And uh, we're getting a really good response. Everybody's really excited for PFF Mondays because we unlock the games throughout the day and you get to see your boom, your finalized PFF grades at some point on Monday. So give us give us a little teaser, some players that stood out to you, Sam, from a grading standpoint here in week one. Well, obviously,
0: Khalil Mack uh, going his debut for the Chicago Bears went pretty much as he thought it should. Given that he's you know one of the best defenders in the entire league, at one point in the first half, he was basically winning the game on his own. Really, was he had a sack, he had quick pressure that forced uh, forced movement and ended up freeing up Roquan Smith for a, a sack on his first NFL snap. When he got on the field, he then had the interception, pick six. I mean, he was playing absolutely out of his skin. Kind of quietened down over the second half. Um, went away a little bit, but I mean, that was... It's what the, I, You look at that and you say, any notion that the Bears overpaid to get him is absurd. Now, okay, they paid a lot to get him, but it's worth it. I mean, that that's
1: the player you've paid for. He's had games like that. I mean, I tweeted out the fact that uh, in college, his last year, he had a game like that against Ohio State yeah. in week one. He was playing for Buffalo, and it was like, who is this man-child playing against Ohio State? Pick sixes and sacks and all these different things, that is the way to take over the game. A str- he just took the ball out of Kaiser's hands, had a pick six on the screen. I mean, that was just absolutely incredible. Also, Matt Ioannidis
0: continues to be amazing. Ioannidis, watch. Ioannidis dominates for the Redskins. And, of course, Magic. We talked about that before, but <laughs> give the guy some credit. That's the best game of his career, and nobody saw it coming. 96.1 overall grade is what I'm
1: seeing for yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty spectacular. Him and Breeze had the two highest QB grades of the week. Um, Pretty sure that's not going to change. They were both incredible. Uh, Our boy George Kittle had a really nice game for the San Francisco 49ers at tight end. Should have been better as well if he dropped or hung on to a drop. He did. We had had some missed uh, deep ball opportunities, both Jimmy G putting it on guys and Jimmy G missing a couple guys, some deep ball opportunities. Andrew Luck played pretty well. We'll get to... Do you have a reading? Oh, the captain. The captain. Are we going to pivot to that? Okay, so I'll... Yeah. I'll distract. Pause yourself. I'll distract the listeners. No, no, we're good. I got it. I got it. Okay. Kyle Long.
0: Cue up, ready to go. I just want to go through some of my top-graded players. Well, you can do that, but that's just dragging into the captain time.
1: All right. Let's go. Captain Andrew Luck. Cue the music coming out of
0: the Bengals game. Dearest Mother, although the unit fought hard, we were bested by the Tiger Men. Do not fret. All will be okay. It was glorious to see the men working as one. My sidearm was true. This marks the beginning of a long campaign that will have many chapters on the way to victory. Andrew. See, the captain is week nicely one. reflective. He understands that though they may have lost this one, oh, week one in candor, this is a long road. See yeah. it's a marathon. Though, team sprint. player.
1: He's a very good team player. Uh, his sidearm had the shortest average depth of target I think I've seen in Andrew Luck's career. A little over five.
0: There was a lot of shallow crossing routes. Kind of looked like Philip Rivers, where he's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. endless shallow crossers. Having said that, it did look fine. Like, his arm strength was there. the Zip was there. Yep. Um, the, he, the touchdown uh, deep pass um, was nice. He definitely looked like he still has arm strength. In fact, the, what impressed me most about him in this game is that he looked like old Andrew Luck. There was no sense that he was hesitant or that he wasn't going to... Do the stuff that he's done before in terms of putting himself in harm's way. He didn't overreact to pressure in the pocket. He was able to slide around, make subtle movements, just avoid guys in his face. He looked like, you know, the old Andrew Luck. You wouldn't know that he's missed that amount of time through injury.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important, and um, I'll be interested to see how this plays out. The quick passing game versus, you know, again, one of the things that made him special, kind of like Big Ben and some of the other guys that hold the ball a little bit longer, is that ability to create big plays down the field. At some point, you have that balance where he can still make the special throws, but you're still able to protect him. So that's kind of an ongoing deal. You did a little breakdown on YouTube as well for everybody to check out on Luck's game. Um, other highest-graded players that stood out, Sheldon Richardson for the Minnesota Vikings. We, you know, we think that could be one of the bigger off-season signings if he continues to play like that. I know the 49ers offensive line. But against the run, rushing the passer, Sheldon was really good.
0: Richardson and Louisville-Joseph both played really well in that game. It was definitely helped by the fact that the 49ers don't have the best guards in the world to begin with, and then they lost three of them. So right. at one point, like Mike McGlinchey got kicked inside the guard, rookie right tackle, so they could play Gary Gilliam at right tackle, not a guard. I mean, that's just a mess. Poor so, big
1: old McGlinchey at guard. Yeah, that didn't go tremendously veteran, well. Though he's a veteran. He can... Uh he can move about the line. Well, you only ask a veteran to do that. You don't ask a rookie. Right. To they would that. never ask a rookie.
0: Ten-year veteran is what need, you need to, to kick inside like that.
1: Speaking of 49ers rookies, how about Fred Warner with an incredible great linebacker? Yep. That was supposed to be their big weakness, right? Ruben yeah. Foster's out. Fred Warner, f- big force fumble on Dalvin Cook. He was all over the field making plays.
0: He was. He looked He looked great. Um, he's He was an intriguing draft prospect because... He graded really well for us was very good in coverage in particular but he played that college position that doesn't really exist in the NFL this overhang walkout linebacker that's like a it's like a hybrid between a linebacker and a slot cornerback right um, a ton of guys do this in college yeah yeah it's it's as, it's
1: as their just only position essentially because
0: of those wide hash marks in college that position kind of it exists in a way it doesn 't really in the NFL because you you stay in these personnel packages and you have a guy who who occupies that kind of weird middle ground in space um, the, so the stuff he does in coverage is really good, but the question mark is, how does that translate to the NFL because you don't really see him dealing with blocks you don't have to you don't see him going one on one with a, an offensive guard at the point of attack because he's so far away from that stuff in college. Um, it's just a big question mark. You don't know how it's going to translate.
1: But so far, at least, it translated really well. He looked great. And speaking of rookies, linebackers, your boy Jawan Bentley also had a very good grade. One of our highest graded linebackers for the week on 51 snaps, Sam. Yeah. He was our highest graded overall linebacker last year in PFF, mostly because of his run defense. So the big question was this big thumping linebacker. How's he going to fit in the NFL? I love your storyline, man. If anybody's going to figure him out, it's the Patriots. He's still doing the run stopping thing, but they've, through the preseason and through one week, found a way to keep him reasonable enough in coverage. You know, you hide him, you let him do what he can do, and he's grading pretty well. Yeah, and they're not asking him to do too much in coverage, which
0: I think is key. He's just, you know, occupying space, asked to play stuff in front of him, and he's done that relatively well so far. He could be a real steal steel pick in that draft because the stuff that he does well he's really good at it's just that from watching his college tape you just assume that the things he was bad at is prohibitive to be a good player in today's nfl but if the patriots are good enough at scheming around that on an individual basis like he could become a really good player with those limitations
1: any other players that you uh had on the list or is that it no i think we covered my guys all right you covered my guys too If you guys want every single grade, of course, it's all part of your PFF Elite package. We have Premium Stats version 2.0. Don't forget, when you get Elite, you get Premium Stats 2.0 plus Greenline. Yes. Your Picks product, looking forward. When you combine those two, unbelievable value. It's all a part of PFF Elite. You excited for the final grades to come out with Week 1? Final grades, are grades almost now, done. Now a, we're
0: rolling into week two, so I can actually start to deploy Green Line better and bet on games that have more sense attached to them. Week one. You hate week one. It's always crazy. You're always going to get some weird results week one, so I try and avoid it other than that Texans game. Week two, we're going to deploy Green Line. We're going to connect it with my bookie and we're going to make some bets, Steve.
1: Elite and my bookie, it's going to be a great combination this season, so be sure to get to profootballfocus.com. Pick up your PFF Elite. All right, guys, thanks again for listening, and we will be back later in the week with a Week 2 preview. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact.